0: But there will be a day when Jesus comes, according to the word of God, when he returns for his church with a shout, with the voice of an arched angel, with the trumpet of God. And though this is not a visible return, Jesus will come to retrieve his church before the onset of what is known as the tribulation or the seven years of tribulation that's coming upon this earth.
1: Now, here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: You can, if you like, turn to Romans chapter 13, verse 11. I am going to be all over the place. For this teaching but we are going to springboard from romans chapter 13 verse 11 our memory verse for the month do this knowing the time that it is high time to awake out of sleep for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed verse 12 the night is far spent the day is at hand understanding the time that we live in today it's a phrase that got me thinking that it might be good to rehearse some of the key events that the Bible says will take place in the last days. We're going to look at five of the events that the Bible says will take place in the last days. How do we know the time, unless we understand the events, that will take place? With Calvary chapels, we have this very distinctive, and it's not solely with Calvary chapels, Uh, Many of the evangelical church have this pre-tribulational, this pre-millennial view of end times prophecies. We are pre-tribulational because we believe that Jesus will come and rapture his church before a coming seven years of tribulation upon this earth. We're pre-millennial because we believe that Jesus will come physically the second time to the earth, his second coming. We know it as that term before a thousand-year reign will take place upon the earth. And these beliefs should cause us to not solely fix our eyes upon the things of this world, but to look to Jesus and his soon return. So whether we call them the last days or the latter days, it speaks about the events that will take place after the end of the age of grace. We are currently in what is known Biblically, as the age of grace, this is a time that salvation is open to whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we learned this year in our study in Romans eleven twenty five that when the fullness of the Gentiles have come in, the age of grace will close. Meaning that there will be a day when the last Gentile will come to faith in Jesus Christ. Only God knows that day, only God knows who that person will be, but there will be a time when the age of grace will close and will go into the last day's events. It will usher in the last days, known as eschatology or the doctrine of last things. These are terms that refer to the end-time events that we read about in the Bible. Eschatology referring to events that both precede and also follow the second coming of Jesus Christ. They include the regathering of Israel into the land, the rapture of the church, the seven years of tribulation, Jesus's second coming and his millennial reign upon the earth. And I should have went on to say the behemoth judgment of Christ and the great white throne judgment and a new heaven and new earth. I thought that it would be good since I've often quoted this one paragraph talking about end times events and never really get into a greater detail of it. I thought it'd be good to break down that paragraph and take those as our points for the teaching today, where Paul says, Knowing the time. And so, our points in this teaching that I have, knowing the time from Romans 13 11, we're going to look at. The regathering of Israel into her land, the rapture of the church, the seven years of tribulation, second coming of Christ, and a new heaven and a new earth. Father, I pray that you would be with us. And Lord, I realize that I'm attempting to give a lot of information in this message today. And Father, I just don't want it to be an information dump into our minds, our heads. But Lord, I want us to heed the words that Paul gave to first to the church there in Rome and now to all the churches since that time, knowing the time, Lord, that we would see that your return is soon to come, that our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So I pray, Lord, that you would bless this teaching, bless our time together this morning. Help us, Lord, to just gain a little understanding of your word, But Lord, help us to be able to apply it to our lives. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. So one of the important things about last day's events is the regathering of Israel into her land. In Isaiah 66, verse 8, it says, Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Israel, being birthed into a nation in a single day, it actually took place three times in history. The first time it took place was when Israel came out of Egypt. 430 years earlier, they had went into Egypt as friends because, well, Joseph was there second in command. And they went in that their families could be provided for. They came in as guests of Egypt. They were given, actually, some of the best land within Egypt. But eventually, they became slaves within Egypt. But on the day that they crossed through the midst of the Red Sea, they were birthed into a nation. On a single day, Deuteronomy 4, verses 34 and 35, Moses recounts this event, saying, Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt and before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God, and there is none other beside him. Moses recounting that day where God made Israel a nation on a single day when they were birthed into a nation when they crossed through the midst of the Red Sea. The second time that Israel became a nation on a single day came after 70 years of the Babylonian captivity. 70 years of captivity, we find which Isaiah 66 properly refers to after that time, God used King Cyrus, the king of Persia, to free Israel and to call them to return to their land and to restore and to rebuild the temple. And we find that in scripture, in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, So that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it into writing saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth of the Lord God of heaven has given to me. And he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Uh, This letter, this decree that came from Cyrus would go on to say if we would go over to Ezra, Uh, Chapter 1, it would go on to say that the Jews who desired to return could go and return to the land to rebuild the temple. Those who desired to stay where they were at, wherever they had been scattered, if they wanted to give offerings to help in the rebuilding of the temple, they were free to do that. But in a single day, Israel was birthed into a nation for the second time. The third time that this took place is an amazing event because it took place nearly 2,000 years or just over 1,900 years after they had been dispersed by the Romans and no longer considered a nation. But on May 14th in 1948, the Jewish People's Council met in Tel Aviv Museum and publicly declared the establishment of the State of Israel. On the very next day, May 15th, the armies of Egypt, Syria, Iraq, Transjordan, and Lebanon swept into the newly birthed nation of Israel from all fronts. It would seem that the nation would not be able to stand, but the battle-hardened men and women of Israel were able to defend their newly founded nation, and on January 7th, 1949, they called for a truce. And Israel has remained in the land for now over 71 years. And although we do not support everything that the Israeli government does, just like in our own government, I don't support everything that takes place. We know biblically that God still has a plan for the nation of Israel, for his chosen people. In Romans 11:25, Paul said, For I do not desire, brethren... That you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. One day, the last Gentile will come to faith in Jesus Christ. When this happens, God will then turn his attention fully toward the nation of Israel and the Jewish people that they might be saved. And so when we talk about eschatology and in time events of Israel being regathered into her land, it is a significant last-day fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Secondly, we learn of the rapture of the church. This is an event that has not happened that will take place at some point in the future. And we get this in a few different places, but one of the main teachings comes from first Thessalonians four fifteen through eighteen, where it says For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an arched angel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And Paul closes that out in verse 18, saying, Comfort one another. This is to be a comfort to us, not something that's frightening. But it was written not as Paul's opinion, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. First, that those who had died in the Lord are not waiting in a soul sleep until Jesus comes again, but actually have been uh, come into the presence of the Lord himself. Believers are brought into the presence of the Lord the moment that they leave this physical life. According to scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, it tells us we are confident, yes, well, pleased rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And but there will be a day when Jesus comes, according to the word of God, when he returns for his church with a shout, with the voice of an arched angel, with the trumpet of God. And though this is not a visible return, Jesus will come to retrieve his church before the onset of what is known as the tribulation or the seven years of tribulation that's coming upon this earth. First Thessalonians 1:10 says even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come? Now, there are some in the church, and I'll talk about this in a moment, that view that the Lord will not come for his church prior to the tribulation. They believe that the church itself will go through tribulation. But the Bible tells us that we have not been appointed to endure God's wrath, as I just read from 1 Thessalonians 1.10, that it's Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. This does not mean as believers in Jesus Christ, we do not go through turbulent seasons in our lives. Yet Paul used the Greek word here, harpazo, that is actually translated in our text in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17, where he says that we will be caught up. That's the Greek word harpazo, harpazo. It means to be snatched away or to be taken away by force. And it was in the Latin Vulgate that they translated harpazo to raptus, from which we get the word rapture. When you talk to people, sometimes they may mention that, you know, the word rapture never appears in the Bible. Correct. It's harpazo that appears in the Bible that has been translated to what we know as the word rapture today. And Paul teaches that the rapture will take place in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. When Jesus comes for his church, the believers who are still alive will be changed from corruption to incorruption, from mortality to immortality. He says so in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 53. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment and in a twinkling of eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality it's kind of like a beam me up scotty moment here we won't be the one saying that to the lord he'll just do it he'll he'll take us out of here take the church out of this world before god's wrath comes upon the world right now the church is separated in at least three different ways here on this earth The church is meeting in different locations all around the world. There are those who have already died. They put off the mortal body. They put off this body of flesh. And they're now in the presence of Jesus. But one day, the Lord will catch up. He'll snatch up Harpazo. He'll gather his church together to be with the Lord forever. And this, again, is to be a great comfort to the church. We are to comfort one another with these words it may be that we will hear the voice of our Lord shouting the voice of the archangel the trumpet of God all at once and will go to be with the Lord in the air it could be that the Lord will come for us as he has for many of the believers since his ascension into heaven that He comes one by one but no matter the Lord will come and he will gather his church together and so the coming rapture of the church, it is a significant last day's prophecy. Here's an opinion that I have, and perhaps today with internet and the capability that we have, that when the church exit this planet, there are going to be enough within the church buildings, enough who have heard the teaching of the word of the Lord, that they know the events. Of the last days, although they never have surrendered their life to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There'll be a number alive on this earth at that time that will understand exactly what had taken place. But I don't want you to learn it that way. I want you to come to faith in Jesus Christ in order that when the Lord calls for his church, we'll be with him. And we don't have to go through the tribulation, which brings us to our third point, the seven years of tribulation. We're going to go back to Isaiah 26, verses 20 and 21 to springboard off where it says, Isaiah 26, verse 20. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past verse 21 for behold the lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity the earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain well until the wrath of god is poured out upon his enemies isaiah counsels the faithful bride to hide herself this is perhaps a reference to the rapture of the church found in the old testament the church being caught up into the heavens while god's indignation and wrath is being poured out upon the earth for a period of seven years what we know of as the seven years of tribulation it is only after the church is taken away that god will once again focus his attention on the nation of israel and that's why it's so important that the nation of Israel is in the land today, that God focuses his attention upon the redemption of his chosen people. While there are those within the church who do not believe in a coming tribulation, most believers fall into one of three categories. There are those who are post-trib, are those who believe that the rapture will take place at the end of the tribulation, mid-trib, believe that it takes place in the middle of the tribulation pre-trib, like Calvary chapels, get that right, before the tribulation. Post-tribulational view of the rapture of the church teaches that the church will be raptured moments preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. There are some difficulties with this. First, they connect the seven trumpet judgments of Revelation to the trumpet of God that's found in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. But these are not one-size-fits-all trumpet blasts. They each have their own distinct purpose. Second, we find the second coming. At the second coming, Jesus comes with his church, not for his church. In Colossians 3, 4, it says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So at the second coming, Jesus comes with his church, not for his church. Therefore, we will already be with him since the church has already been caught up into his glory. And finally, Scripture teaches that God keeps his children from wrath. And one of the reasons I believe that we do not go through the seven years of tribulation. I've already read one of these verses, but again, we find in another place. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have not been appointed to wrath. Now, the mid-tribulational view of the rapture has believers going through the first three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation. There is a coming Antichrist who will come and set up peace for seven years. In the first three and a half years, things will not be so bad here on this earth. But Daniel tells us in Daniel 9.27 that he will confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. In the middle of the week, in the middle of the three and a half years, The Antichrist will break his covenant with Israel. He will enter the temple of God and proclaim himself as God and demand to be worshipped as God. We deduce from that that there is a necessity of a third temple being built. Do you know that in Israel today that they have already made preparations for the building of the temple? they have everything necessary they have the altar they have the priestly garments all they need is permission to build and the temple can't be uh, the temple can't be anywhere but in jerusalem on that holy mountain on mount moriah and right now the muslims have control and authority over the place where the temple will one day be built and so it is believed that this covenant that the antichrist brings in will open the way for Israel to build their temple. In fact, they don't need a temple to begin the sacrifices. All they have to do is set up the altar to begin the sacrifices. The temple can come later. So it could move very rapidly once the permission is given.
1: Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ.